When I talk with parents, one of the most common things I hear is, yeah, but you don't understand my situation. I'm barely surviving. I'm really struggling. It doesn't work when. So what I thought would be really cool is if I reached out to some of my good friends and favorite experts in the parenting space, and I asked for their advice for parents that are really struggling and they feel like they're in survival mode and can barely make it through each day. Is your child's challenging behavior leaving you feeling exhausted, defeated, and hopeless? You are not alone. And I want you to know you are not a failure and your child is not broken. Welcome to Calm the Chaos Parenting, the podcast for parents raising strong-willed, highly sensitive, or neurodivergent children. I'm Dana Abraham, parenting expert, and I have helped hundreds of thousands of families just like yours. Each week, I'll share simple science-backed solutions to help you feel more grounded, in tune, and deeply connected to your child, no matter what challenge you face. Start your journey from surviving to thriving as a family at CalmTheChaosPodcast.com. So I sat down with over 21 parenting experts in the field, parent experts like Eliza Pressman from Raising Good Humans podcast, Alyssa Blast Campbell from Seed and Sew, Amanda Diekman from Low Demand Parenting, and so many other experts. And they have so much expertise from executive functioning to mindfulness, consciousness, to um, PDA, autism, ADHD, that I knew they would know exactly what to say. And I asked them all one question. I said, if you were to sit down with a parent that's really struggling and you only had five minutes to tell this parent exactly what they needed to hear, what would you say? And in the following episode, you're going to hear some snippets and highlights, and you're going to hear all sorts of things, things that make you feel good on the inside and help you realize you're not alone and that you can do this. And then you're also going to get some great strategies and tips that you can start applying today, even if you're in survival mode. So sit back, relax, enjoy the rest of this episode. And if you like what you hear in this episode, you are going to absolutely love our expert secret series. I've taken all of these experts talks and I've bundled them together. And when you order our Calm the Chaos book, you're going to get access to every single video for life so that you can go back, listen to it, grab it when you need it, and have that little jolt of energy and confidence coming from an expert straight to you. All right, without further ado, take it away, experts. If I had more support, if my kids would just listen, I had all of these ifs. If all of these things were true, then I would be okay. Then I could be at ease. Then I could rest. Then I could be happy in my own life. And I was always putting my own joy and my own connection to my real parenting journey out there in the future when things are better. At the same time as all of that was happening, the reality of my daily life was crushing me. 
the meltdowns, the demands, the challenges, the fighting and squabbling. And every day I dreamed that it would be different if I was just a better parent. And so I got more advice and more shoulds. And then the radical turning point for me in my own parenting journey was when I discovered that I could actually let things go. There is magic, magic in reducing the demands, in releasing the expectations and radically accepting yourself and your kids just as you are. What if you are good enough just the way you are? What if your kids are good enough just the way they are? What if your life is good enough just as it is? What if your parenting journey could be good enough right here by learning to let go of all of the myths, all of the shoulds, all of the fear of judgment and all of the striving, we actually discover that we are okay right where we are. I just want you to know that if you're having a hard time right now, it's not because you're failing. It's not because your kids are failing. It's because it's really hard to be in relationship with other humans all the time. And it's super hard to do it when we aren't given a blueprint for this. And it isn't one size fits all. There's not one single approach in the world that works for every single human. We all operate differently. And the way that I process information will vary from how other people do. Now, this is our big body play. Now, here's the thing that's tricky is that we are all sensitive to some things and then we're all seeking different things to regulate. Once I learned this about myself, then I could start to learn it about my kid and the people around me. What are they sensitive to? What drains their nervous system? And then what are they seeking? What recharges them? This changed how I showed up in the world, how I showed up as a parent, how I showed up as a teacher. It really shifted my entire being. The one thing that I would be sharing with parents is the importance of understanding executive function and neurodivergence, particularly particular types of neurodivergence with executive function challenges. The better we understand executive function, that understanding drives how we support our kids because what we don't want to do is support them in the way, in ways that don't support them, that don't help. And so many of us have spun our wheels going in so many directions, doing things that really weren't making a difference in the long term for our kids. How does that happen? Well, first of all, it drives relationship. It drives how you relate to your child. When you have a great, deep, thorough understanding of executive function, it drives how we relate to our kids. Understanding executive function also drives how we relate in terms of this thing called discipline. Okay, very misunderstood term, but really how do we have a collaborative relationship where we're really helping our kid get buy-in and ownership and, and autonomy in their life? And that is collaborative. And it also drives how we relate to our kids in terms of prioritizing fun and connection and quality time where we often get caught in the day-to-day -day and we can miss that stuff and it's just so important and this helps us really refocus on those most important things 
Uh, understanding executive function drives how we speak to our kids, what we notice, noticing more of the positive of their strengths, even though the systems that they're in may be very weakness focused. It drives how we speak to them in a much more positive way, really seeing how awesome they are. And it also drives how we listen to our kids, how we listen. And we, when we understand executive function, we also develop skills to listen more skillfully and to see them and their strengths more effectively. Understand this also drives how we work on ourselves. It drives how we advocate for our kids. When we understand executive function, we advocate very differently. We say very different things to the school and the teachers about our kids' needs. There are certain principles that hold true for all of our relationships, but certainly in the context of feeling like you are at a loss. Those five core principles are relationship, reflection, regulation, repair, and rules. And when you think about how you're responding to your kids, try to take those into account and see what needs a little bit more weight stacked. If the relationship is struggling because you've been getting really frustrated, maybe that's where you want to put a little bit of extra time. If you feel like you haven't been able to be clear about rules, about boundaries, about limit setting, because you're really thinking about that relationship and you're worried that it might interfere, then focus more on the rules. If you're thinking, wow, I don't know if I've reflected enough on what kinds of behaviors, what kinds of feelings might trigger me because of my own experience being parented, then focus a little bit more on that self-reflection and even reflecting back to your child what you're seeing, what you're noticing, so that you can, without as much judgment and more witnessing, try to help them reflect. And then, of course, repair is so important. So if you feel like the weights haven't been stacked much on the repair because we're people, we're humans, and particularly with challenging kids, we can fly off the handle. We might do something that we feel like that's not how I wanted to handle that. That's not what I had planned. And I undermined my relationship. Whatever it is, you can always repair. In fact, those moments of disrepair and then repair are part of how we strengthen relationships. The thing I probably say the most to parents is to know less. <laughs> which can be kind of not make sense initially, no less. Because a lot of times we go into situations with our kids believing that we know what needs to happen, what should have happened, what could happen. And we, all that energy of our knowing becomes how we interact with our kids. And a lot of that is based in our history, in our trauma, in our fears, in our own childhood and how we experienced life, which was a completely different time. Knowing less means I go into interactions with my girls and have some humility about what did I miss? What's going on with you? I practice listening. I practice, you know, there's a the story of being an empty cup, which means a lot of times we show up for um, conversations with a very full cup, meaning we already think we know everything. We already have planned what we're going to say. We're going to win. We're going to show how we know what we're doing and, you know, respect me. And so our cup is already full. So we have nothing new to, we have no space to take in anything new. And in parenting, we have to show up 
if not with a completely empty cup, <laughs> at least a cup that it, there's space so we can learn something about our kids, so we can actually hear what they have to say. And usually when we're willing to hear their story or how they were feeling or what happened, everything kind of makes sense. Of course, they would react that way. Or of course, they'd be upset because they're sharing how they were experiencing something. And we, even if we are with our kids all the time and we think we know them, there's always something new to know. Even if we're right a lot of the time when it comes to our kids, that's not what a healthy relationship is built on. A healthy relationship is built on the ability to have some space and be able to listen and acknowledge, have some vulnerability. I don't know everything. And and I respect you as a, a person and I respect your thoughts and I respect how you experience the world because it may be different than my experience. We're not looking to change who our kids are. They are who they are. They have a neurodivergent biology that means they experience this world differently. What is our role given that situation? And our role is to adapt and change for the child that we have. We are changing our mindset about parenting, about behavior, about educating, about the path to success and what that looks like. Our culture says we should be authoritarian parents. We should want compliance and conformity and we should have a kid that fits the mold, right? Our kids don't fit that mold. And honestly, that is not a healthy culture. And I see that we are moving toward changing and I'm so happy about that. We are accepting neurodiversity. We're accepting differences. And that is part of this journey for you. You have to accept that it's okay for your child to be different and you have to change and adapt what you're doing. So your mindset, a lot of that work is on you personally, learning to accept, learning to let go, learning to be okay with doing things differently from your family members, from your own childhood, from your neighbors and the way they're raising their kids. You need to do what is right for your child and you need to show up for them in the way that they need. And that is about changing, changing that perspective, changing your ideas about behavior and parenting. That is a must. This is foundational for helping your child to be able to do good. Behavior is simply a cure or clue. It is just what we see on the outside that gives us some kind of idea about what might be happening on the inside. And it's really important that we remember it's just a cue or a clue. It's really easy for us, especially the more stressed out we get, to make a lot of assumptions about what our kids' behavior means. Behavior is just what we can see on the outside that gives us some information about what's happening on the inside. And if we want to help kids' behaviors be more pro-social, be behaviors that are helping them have the relationships that they want in the world, 
We want to see if we can get at what's going on on the inside and address that. Now, the way that I do that is by looking at children's autonomic nervous systems and their stress response system and their attachment. I also am looking at things like memory, all sorts of sciencey things that go into what the end result is the behavior. My second core tenant is that connection is a biological imperative. We, uh, our brain develops inside connection and we need connection to survive. That regulated, connected kids who feel safe and also do know what to do are behaving well, are doing well. Dana here. And guess what? My book, Calm the Chaos, has officially launched. So if you enjoy the podcast and find the stuff we're sharing valuable, I'm 100% sure you're going to love the book. You can get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you use this link, you'll also get some special bonuses. So once again, the link is calmthechaosbook.com. Thanks. I hope you're enjoying the show. One, you're doing the best you can with the information you have at the time. Cut yourself a break, take a deep breath, and give yourself some grace. Number two, what your kid is feeling now is not how they're going to feel forever. They're going to move from this emotion to another emotion. And helping them understand that without telling them to calm down or lecturing them is a great way for them to see their own resilience in moving through a difficult situation. And finally, sometimes we are just the repository of our kids' crap. And even though it doesn't feel great for them to dump their stuff on us, sometimes that's how they can go on with their day is if they hand it over to us and they continue to walk through life. So it doesn't feel great, but sometimes we need to hold their crap for them. Good luck. Don't get mad, get curious. So that's an incredible gift as a parent, because you've probably already heard that all behavior is communication. So our job is to put on our super sleuth hats and figure out what is it that either my child is trying to communicate to me through their behavior, or on the flip side, what is it that my behavior is communicating to my child and honestly to myself about what I might be feeling or needing? There's more going on than what meets the eye. So how can I get curious about their behavior and translate it so that I don't have to get mad about it? It takes time. It takes practice for sure. But when you know this, when you fully embody the fact that you and your child aren't broken at all, healing is completely possible, and you don't have to be so reactive. When you learn to be more curious, you actually end up at a much better place in parenting, and you win the emotional relationship lottery with your child. The question ought not to be, what do I do when, but rather, how do I be when. And if you look at the words that are printed on the wall behind me, you'll see my three-part mantra that I developed kind of about 10 years into my career. And that mantra is that for us as parents, our job is to see it, then to feel it, and then to be it. Not to do it, but to be it. Wayne Dyer famously said, we are not human doings. We are human 
beings. And Eckhart Tolle said that the doing, the things that we're going to land on in terms of the next step and what we're meant to be kind of creating for life and, and the world around our child to unfold in the way that they need, that doing is going to flow from our being. So our job is to get focused here, that when the being is sorted out, the doing will come naturally forward from there. Self-compassion allows us to not feel like every single decision that we make that may be wrong or every time we lose our temper or with our child or do something that we are less than proud of as a parent. Self-compassion allows us to do something with that uncomfortableness, maybe a sense of guilt that we have or self-shaming or self-judgment. Self-compassion is like a cozy, warm blanket that we can put over our shoulders to say, it's okay. You're human. There is no room for guilt or shame or regret in this job of parenting, especially parenting a differently wired kid. And so I have a couple of things I wanted to share with you about that. Number one, you are exactly the parent that your child needs. You absolutely have what it takes to be the support system, the parent, the caregiver, to provide them the emotional support, the coaching, and just being their person, their anchor that they need in this lifetime. You absolutely do. Number two, not getting it right all the time is actually absolutely perfect. That is how we grow as humans. That's what we're doing here. It is not your job to fix things for your kids as a parent. What is a better use of your time and is much better for the relationship between you and your child is to be that empathetic and supportive ear where when they have a problem, when they're struggling with something, it's not offering immediate suggestions. It's, wow, that really stinks. Wow, like you must be really disappointed right now. Or you must be sad or angry or jealous right now. And helping them name that emotion that they're feeling is such a almost relief to them. It's first showing that there's nothing wrong with feeling these intense feelings. There's nothing wrong with having problems and challenges. In fact, without problems and challenges, we never progress to the next next level. We never develop this confidence in our own abilities that we can solve them. And when we're there as the empathetic ear, our kids don't feel as alone. And in fact, something that may surprise you is that the more you empathize and the less you offer suggestions and the less you try to fix, you'll see your kids coming to their own solutions. I realized that the world of mindfulness had some really, really important things, really foundational things to say that weren't being talked about in this parenting world. And had some things to say about helping us to calm our reactivity. Now we're talking about it more today. We're talking about the body-brain connection. Yes, yes, yes. We're talking about the nervous system. Yes, yes, yes. This is so important because the thing is that without that foundation 
of us learning how to lower our reactivity, we are simply not going to be able to access those good things to say. We're simply not going to be able to have that ease and space and spaciousness to be able to respond in the ways that we want to respond to our kids with. It's the foundation. Here's the thing I learned about raising exceptional, sometimes challenging, hard to understand kids. There's always going to be what ifs. And it's really difficult not to compare yourself and your situation to other families, to other parents, to other kids. And when you compare yourself and your family to those lives that seem so different from your own, you're running through this series of what if questions you can't answer. And the big what if is, what if it's always going to be like this? And here's the thing. What if the Beatles were right when they said life is really what happens when you're busy making other plans? Those what ifs are unanswerable right now. And the more comparisons you make to others, the more unanswerable questions you have. So the last what if I will give you, I guess, right now is what if the lives you're comparing to aren't what they look like either? I really want you to just take away especially one thing here, which is to give yourself compassion. I talk about we can be our inner critic or we can be our inner best friend. Why is that important? Well, it's important for two main reasons that I see. One is that it actually helps us in the moment when we can be compassionate with ourselves. Maybe, you know, we're having one of those days where, you know, our kids are melting down every five minutes and we can't get anything done and you're in the grocery store and whatever, your kid's lying on the floor screaming. And, you know, it would be so easy to get into that shame spiral and just think everybody's looking at me. Why, why, am you know, why is my kid like this? Why can't I, you know, do better or whatever? But if we want to stay calm and compassionate with our child in the moment, self-compassion is the place to start. So what we want to tell ourselves is that, you know, anyone in my position would be having a hard time right now. And we give ourselves that kindness. It's just like when we give somebody else who's upset empathy, it actually helps them to, to calm down. That disability is not an emergency. Uh, being autistic is not an emergency. It's not something that's urgent that we have to fix. Uh, I know that there's this, there is this huge push uh, for early intervention and catching up with peers before a specific time and making sure that they can speak by the age of whatever it is. And it's not that an early intervention is, is a bad thing because early intervention has its place. There are things that are urgent, but being autistic is not one of those things. So I guess I would have slowed down in the very beginning and not rushed to therapist appointment and another doctor's appointment and another thing and just kind of slowed down and, and enjoyed my children. I think a lot of the things that I was doing was making them more anxious and making my house more chaotic because I was over here with an agenda, right, of having my children catch up and, you know, making sure that they don't miss that arbitrary deadline of, <laughs> of being able to speak or being able to do these things and, and, and really taking the time to learn about the differences in autistic people and their, and that they, they don't follow the same trajectory as typically developing people or as neurotypical people do and and trusting them to develop on their own timetable. I want you to know that you're not alone. I want you to know that this is not an uncommon experience. 
being a parent is hard. And being a parent of a child who does things differently is doubly hard. Um, And you are allowed to acknowledge that that is difficult. You are allowed to be finding this challenging. You are allowed to at times want to scream into a pillow. You are even allowed to scream into a pillow if you need to. So the first thing I want you to know is that this is not an unusual experience and you're not on your own here. Um, It's really easy to feel like we are the only people experiencing this, especially when there's this expectation that as parents, we have to be Instagram perfect all the time, you know, and we're not allowed to lose our temper and we're not allowed to be frustrated. And we're certainly not allowed to share with other people that we find our own children quite annoying sometimes. So you are allowed to do all of those things. And that is not an unusual experience. Pick your battles when it comes to dealing with your children and young people who are challenging, inverted commas. Not everything needs to be a fight. You don't have to win every argument. You don't have to always be right. You want to be in a place where you are showing your child or your young person what it looks like to be a measured, imperfect, um, kind, compassionate human being. And that sometimes means that even when you know that their behavior, their opinion, their expression is maybe not what you would prefer to be seeing, hearing or experiencing at the moment, you might not need to raise that right now. It doesn't mean you're a pushover. It means that you're getting good at conflict resolution. And it means that you're modeling that not everything has to be a fight. Your best is good enough. Even on the days when you feel like you have no idea what to say, what to do, how to pick that kid up and pat them on the back and get them going again, you know more than you think. Just your presence is enough. Being around, even if you're watching a TV show together and not even necessarily talking, is enough because relational safety comes from a place of comfort. And comfort can be quiet. Comfort can be a shared activity where no talking gets done. Comfort can be walking a pet together. Comfort can be a bike ride where the wind is just rushing through your hair and you can't even hear each other, but you're just next to each other. Comfort can be baking cookies together in silence. I really want to encourage you to be a coach and mentor to your kids, prioritizing that relationship, that respectful relationship. And that leads to asking lots of curiosity questions. This comes from motivational interviewing. When kids can find their own why, and you ask questions like, um, what is truly fun for you? What makes your eyes light up? Who do you enjoy spending time with? What do you enjoy doing? And you you might get some, I don't know, I don't know. And um, don't give up, keep asking and become an observer, become a sort of a laboratory scientist. When do you see the light in your child's eyes? When do you see them smiling, laughing? Who are they hanging out with? You can help them notice, help them build that self-awareness and say, you know, hey, when you hang out with, Carl, you really laugh a lot. That's awesome. Or when you have art at school, um, you seem to be in a really good mood. So help them notice what's lighting them up. You are the perfect parent for your kid. There is nothing 
nothing more powerful than a parent who cares when it comes to tackling challenging behaviors and getting the help that the kiddo in front of you needs because there's nobody like a parent to care and love and advocate for that kiddo. Nobody, no therapist, no doctor, no counselor, no anybody is going to love your kid the way you do and can. Therefore, nobody is going to be able to provide exactly what that kiddo needs like you can. Now, that can feel overwhelming at times, and I have been there. I know what you're going through. It's why books like Dana's Calm the Chaos and resources like my website, Raising Lifelong Learners, and the websites and offerings of all the other experts in this series are so valuable. There are people out there who don't want to tell you how to do things. They want to empower you to know that you are capable of more than you ever believed possible, that you can do this. You absolutely can raise your kiddo to be the best thems they can be. You can help them tap into their potential, their passions, their interests, and help them drive themselves forward in productive ways. You can help them harness those quirks that they have, the intensities, the perseverations, the hyper-focuses, all of those big, big emotions for good. You can help those big feelers to be more empathetic and sensitive towards others. You can help those kids who hyper-focus and perseverate on a passion be inventors and creators and world changers because mom, you're the one who cares more than anybody. I promise you, you can do this and I'll help. Dana will help. Others in this series will help. We are here for you to support you because we know you have this. Wow, wasn't that amazing? I could listen to those experts all day long. And here's the good news. You can too. By going to calmthechaosbook.com, you can pre-order your copy of Calm the Chaos Book. And when you do, you're going to get access to all 21 experts and their specific advice for you. You don't want to miss out. And here's the coolest part is we are so close to this book coming out and it's going to be in your hands so soon. In fact, on next week's episode, I'm actually going to be sharing a behind the scenes of the Calm the Chaos book as we celebrate the launch of Calm the Chaos book out into the world. I'll see you next week. Oh, and before I go, one quick note for all of you who are enjoying the podcast. My new book is officially live, and I know you're going to love it. So just a quick reminder, you can go get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you do, you'll get some cool bonuses as well. Once again, get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com, and I'll see you next week.